Welcome once again to one of our short 10 minutes with Coon Street podcast. And this is Gary Wolf. And today I'm really delighted uh, to spend 10 minutes with the wonderful author, artist, cartoonist, um, uh, Ursula Vernon. Also, I guess I'm also talking to T. Kingfisher. Yes, uh, we uh, I don't know if we're never seen in the same room at the same time or if we're always seen in the same room at the same time. But people know this is not a secret. This is something which is. Oh, no, no. This is well known. I was but but I was looking at um, I was looking at your awards because I don't know why it's so important to introduce people, but people like to uh, be reminded of Nebula winners and, and, and Hugo winners. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that you and. Neil Gaiman are the only two people to have won Hugo's both for short fiction and for graphic stories. Uh, I don't know. It's possible. Uh, I have no idea. I have won uh, Hugo's for both of those, but I don't know about Neil Gaiman. So. Oh, I, I, I looked it up. He, of course, won of the Sandman. Oh, yes. yes. And, and it turns out Coraline won for, for novella one year. So I'm pretty sure the two of you are it. It's, it's a distinction <laughs> anyway. I feel the love, a rarefied company. Absolutely. I did once, after the Hugo, trample him on the way to the nacho bar because <laughs> you know how it is. You can't eat before the awards because you're too nervous. And then exactly. as soon as your category is called, you're ravenously hungry. And I just looked and there was only one person between me and the nacho bar. And uh, <laughs> Look out, watch out, Neil. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things we've been talking to people about during this is uh, we started out talking about what do you read during lockdown? Do you find time to read things? And now it's now that qu- question is sort of morphed into do you read something different during an opening up than you did during a lockdown? Basic question is how are you how are you doing with your reading these days? Uh, I alternate between I can't focus for more than five minutes on uh-huh. a book and uh reading a lot i've sort of moved to reading a lot i'm still effectively in lockdown um both my husband and one of my housemates are high risk and we can all work from home so uh uh, yeah we're i am the designated go out to the outside world while wearing a face mask person and uh i basically uh i'm reading like a a fluffy escapist novel every night good I, 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 by by fluffy though, different people have different ideas about what escapist is though. That's very true. Uh, in my case, I've been reading a lot of historical romance. Okay. Love it. It's uh, it's, and I know historical rom- I know romance in general frequently gets a a, a bad rap from the other genres, mm-hmm. and uh, science fiction is is certainly not immune to that. But it's it is exactly what i need it is you know i know that there will be a happy ending at the end of it and mm-hmm. it's uh it's really we're all in comfort reading at the moment i think and i've gone through 99 percent of my usual comfort reads and now i'm just like okay just hook the regency romances to the vein okay so the regency romances because when i hear historical romance I think either I've got a neighbor down the hall who makes me take this very seriously. And she writes historical romances for Harlequin, actual. Yes, yes. And and she does as much research as any historical fiction writer I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
so there's so, there's always the one fan who is going to write you and say you have them in a whalebone corset in year X and whalebone was not introduced until exactly. year Y. <laughs> well, do you have any historical? And and the other thing is historical romances used to be back in the forties and. 50s, huge bestsellers. I mean, the number one, I technically, I guess, Gone with the Wind is a historical romance. Um, there was some other stuff going on there, but yes. Well, there's some uh, other stuff going on, but yeah, basically, I mean, um, but, but do you have any favorites? Oh, I mean, uh, absolutely. Um, Amanda Quick, Tessa Dare, uh, Lisa Kleypas, Sarah McLean, uh, Sabrina Jeffries, who's actually a friend of mine who got me reading romances ages uh-huh. ago. And, and yeah, historical romance, um, like any genre, you know, the fortunes wax and wane. Historicals used to be huge. Oh, sure. Now they're not as huge. I think they're sort of on the downturn. But while the other, you know, romance is going strong, I think the estimate is that romance runs something like 50% of the book sales market. I know. It's it's, it's huge. What, well, yeah, I, I, they're, I, I, they're the powerhouse. I know. I've, I've, I've talked to uh well, every science fiction writer I know who knows a historical novelist is suffering from massive envy because <laughs> mediocre historical novels do really. It's, it's interesting, though. Uh, there's the other side of historical fiction. A number of people I've talked to are, are reading Hilary Mantel, which is anything but fluffy escapist stuff. And I, it, it, it's it's a fairly grim view of a historical period that is in some ways, scarily like our own. And, and, and I don't know, I don't understand the attraction of that, except that she's apparently, well, on the basis of Wolf Hall, the first one, a really, really good writer. I mean, I, I think there is something to be said about, um, I, in one of my other hats, I'm a horror author, as T. Kingfisher, yeah. and horror, I, I, will, I can also read now, too, as long as it's horror that is nothing like the current, uh, world situation. I couldn't read a book about a plague right now, but I will happily read about, uh, you know, monsters under the bed and serial uh-huh. killers and anything else because uh, it's not going to happen to me and I can be sort of comfortably scared and cathartic and whatnot. And, but it's not a, a fear that I have to, that I am living with. Right. Do you have any favorite horror writers? Oh Lord. Uh, there's a uh, uh, author called named Darcy Coates who writes a lot of uh, uh, oh. just fun novels. Uh, goodness, uh, now of course I'm drawing a blank. Um, I can usually remember titles, but not. Uh, uh, well, no, it's, it's horror is also one of these widespread fields for. I mean. Uh, Everybody thinks of, of, of Stephen King, and, and there are younger writers I, like Laird Barron, I think, is an excellent writer. Uh, but it, it's almost as broad a field as science fiction or romance. Uh, and oh, I, absolutely. When I look at the horror award nominees, uh, I'm surprised at how many of them I've never heard of, and yet they're major names in that section of the field. Yeah, it's it's astonishing. Uh, just uh, uh, Cassandra Ka, who uh, mm-hmm. I, I love her work, um, is wildly different. You know, it's usually cosmic horror kind of thing. And this is totally different from uh, there's a serial killer trying to get you kind of horror. And right. okay. uh, it's, yeah, huge genre. Uh, it's, you, yeah. When you, when, uh, just to nag on this for a second when you think of um of horror of, of of supernatural horror do you think it has to have a supernatural element in it 
Uh, well, supernatural horror, by definition, does. I suppose the well, same yeah, with paranormal does. romance has to have something paranormal. Horror itself, I don't think, does, although we start to bleed uh, between thriller and horror at that point. Yeah, there was a writer named Robert Block who wrote Psycho, of course, and he yes. made a distinction between what he called horror, because he wrote Lovecraftian stories. He was part of the Lovecraft circle. And what he called terror, which were his novels like Psycho and serial killer novels and that sort of thing. And in his mind, it was two completely different muscles. And I can understand that. Uh, it's The two are not... Uh, dissimilar in that you're trying to evoke the same emotion, I suppose, to a certain extent, but they are, I, I imagine, wildly different to write. I've never tried to write a, uh, a thriller, so, mm -hmm. but I imagine it would be, uh, you'd have to do a lot of practical detail, like, uh, it'd be like writing a, a mystery. Okay, I have to make sure all of this is actually possible and all mm -hmm. of the timing works out and whatnot. Uh, you can't just hand wave like you can when there's uh, uh, when Cthulhu is coming through the ceiling. <laughs> right. Well, do you have any uh, f just favorite comfort reads that you go back to again and again in times of stress? Uh, Robin McKinley's books uh, I really enjoy. Um, the Hero and the Crown, mm -hmm. uh, Deer Skin, although I offer that one with trepidation. You either love that one or it traumatizes the hell out of you. Uh the Blue Sword, Chalice, a bunch of those, uh, Rose Daughter. She does a lot of fairy tale retellings. Mm. Uh, Terry Windling's The Woodwife is one that oh, I yeah. love and go back to. Uh, things like that, yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that people, Terry's gotten such a reputation for, for being an editor over the years that a lot of people overlook um, her fiction. Oh, yeah, and her fiction is brilliant. And it is, it's, it's terrific. Uh, I guess the third thing we can talk about is uh, what have you, you, you you've uh, been on a real streak with short fiction the last few years. What have you got coming out uh, that we ought to be aware of later this year? Oh, goodness. I uh, short fiction or or uh, just fiction in general? Everything. Everything. Uh, fiction, I believe graphic I have novels, it. art. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I do have a short story, I believe, coming out from Uncanny Magazine, although I'm not actually sure which uh, which issue that's going to be uh -huh. in. Uh, for novels, next month I will have uh, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, <laughs> which okay. is a book I have. Uh, I tried to sell it as a kid's book originally. The, the division of labor between Ursula and T. Kingfisher is that Ursula Vernon writes the kids' books. Uh -huh. And I invented the pen name mostly so that uh, small children who were reading anything by me would not reach for the books that had all of the death and torture and of course. elf sex and whatnot. Uh, you only have to have that happen at a library once where you're like running in slow motion going, no! Uh, I would imagine. Before I suppose you you've been asked this a hundred times, but does the T stand for anything? The. <laughs> okay. The, okay, good. That's excellent. And uh, uh, so I tried to sell it as a children's book originally, and I actually did sell it as a children's book, and then the editor was like, Okay, we after after a long time working on this book, I still don't know what to do with it. And it's wildly different than all of your other children's books. So you want to just buy this one back. And so I gave them another book instead. And it, it is it has been through some some interesting things, but uh, it is coming out as a novel that I still think is for kids. My editor has her doubts uh, next month. 
And then in October, we have The Hollow Places from Saga, which is another horror novel. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's is that follow-up to the Twisted Ones, or it's completely new? Uh, it's set in it's very similar in that it's set in a small town in North Carolina because wow. I live in a small town in North Carolina and I guess that's just going to be like my small town in Maine um, but uh, different characters okay sounds and great uh, one of the questions I have though when you talk about that sort of double market of kids I can understand wanting to keep kids away from books that might disturb them but I've also just talking to friends of mine many of whom are fans of yours Suspect that a lot of the people who buy your kids' books are adults anyway. Oh, they absolutely are. Uh, our, yeah, uh, that's why I don't go. That's why I don't try too hard to conceal from my adult fans that uh, that I am also Ursula Vernon. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, because I, I remember talking years ago with um, Daniel Pinkwater, who oh, has yeah. the same issue, and he's. Uh, I, I don't think in his mind he makes any difference at all. Uh, but he knows perfectly well that when he comes out, even with a picture book, half the sales are going to go to adult fans of his. Yeah, I, I think authors make a lot less uh, distinction than editors frequently. I um, I have written a number of books, which I have been like, here, is this a kid's book? And my editor and my agent have gone, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I have never been quite clear on why something is or is not usually uh, – I mean, some of them, I'm, I'm very clear, if the protagonists are in their 30s and there's lots of sex, then yes, obviously that is not a kid's book. Right. But if I'm writing a book where the protagonist is, you know, 14, why is this one so weird that it's not a kid's book? I don't understand. And uh, I still don't understand, but uh, I don't have to. <laughs> it's, not, it's not your problem. That's the problem of the marketing people, I suppose. Yes. So they, they just tell me, no, this is a T. Kingfisher. Feel free to go take it and do T. Kingfisher things with it. I'll be like, okay. Uh, I, I think part of it is that um, kids actually like a lot of gore and scary things frequently. I mean, how well did Goosebumps sell? Yeah. But uh, adults are not as comfortable with that as they could be. And adults are the ones ultimately who pay for the books. So I suppose that's true. And I, uh, I, I've been told of, by friends of mine who, who write children's books that the the, the market and the audience are not the same thing. The market are the adults who buy the books for the kids. They're aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents and friends. Uh, and the kids left to their own desserts would go out and buy Stephen King in a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many writer origin stories start with, well, I was 12 and picked up Eyes of the Dragon. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it, and that's just, you know, kind of one of the, the weird things of the genre, but it's the librarians and the adults and well, I mean, ad librarians are also adults, most well, of them, yeah. <laughs> who, who do the, the book buying. And uh, the closest I think we get is that we wind up with a world where um, kids read sort of the next age range up. Yeah. So uh, kids very rarely want to read about kids their own age. They want to read about the, the next set older than them. Right. And uh, so it it shakes out like that. They call I, it I also often say that inside every children's book author is a frustrated horror author. <laughs> I wondered about that. I mean, because when I was a kid, I loved – I mean, it didn't take me long to get into uh, things like, well, Lovecraft, I guess, or who was around at that time. Uh, I'm not that old. I mean, I don't mean I was a kid in the 30s, but you always want to read the stuff you're not supposed to read. 
and oh, yeah. one of the stories I've, I, I did an article years ago, I talked to science fiction and fantasy writers about their reading experiences. And the story that came up again and again and again was getting into a battle with your parents or the librarian over getting access to the adult section of the library. Yep. And almost everybody had the same thing. That at some point, you just use up what's in the kids section and, and, and then you have to fight to get what's in the adult section. And sometimes it was a major fight, I guess. But yeah, I, I've heard stories, too, of, of, you know, or librarians who are like, OK, don't tell your parents you can go into the adult section are like the heroes of those. Of those stories exactly. Right. Yeah, right. The, well, uh, one of the sort of uh, seminal texts, I think, of, of kid horror, um, lots and lots of adults I know remember fondly a series called, I think, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark which had these terrifying illustrations right. and like it's a cult classic now, basically. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen those. I don't know who actually was responsible for writing them. Uh, I but, can't even remember the author. I remember the, the illustrations. I remember, the, I remember the covers. I can picture the covers, but that's all. Yeah. Well, I'm sure somebody will comment on, on, on this podcast and, and tell us everything we need to know. Uh, but again, I want to thank you very much for being with us. Uh, again, this has been uh, 10 minutes with, T. Kingfisher and 10 Minutes with Ursula Vernon all together. Uh, this is Gary Wolf. It's Coon Street Podcast. And thank you, Ursula, for so thank you so much for joining us. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Okay.